So tonight, this is part two of our series on sacred habits. And tonight we're going to talk about habits of community. And last week we talked about habits of worship. And the idea of the habits of worship is essentially I'm drawing near to God, I'm opening up my arms, and I'm practicing these habits of receiving, of catching, of embracing God's love. And those habits that we talked about were prayer, just praying, talking to God. Um, I think we talked about how when you pray, it's like a cell phone. Uh, It's like a, a way that you connect to God. Um, It's a tool that you use to connect with him. And prayer can just look like in the quiet of your own heart and your own mind of just talking and sharing your thoughts. I think that I can find myself at times just praying randomly throughout the day of just being like, God, I need your help right here. Oh no, like I'm stressed. I'm worried about this. And you, it's just a conversation of sharing yourself with God. And, uh, and it also can be a part of just listening and being quiet and letting God speak to you. I'm um, sitting there and, and letting, you know, 10 minutes of silence. Some of you guys maybe have never done that. I encourage you to try it. Try 10 minutes of sitting silently with your eyes closed. Um, you might find out that it turns into an hour because you fell asleep, but that's okay. That's okay. Resting in Jesus is a good thing. Um, but, but, but sharing your heart through prayer and, and reading scripture and reading verses and, and reading scripture that, that is giving you the truth that you are loved by God. And then work. Working um, is, is part of, of glorifying and receiving God's love. And, and it's such a unique thing because you're like, oh, I don't really have a job. But you're a student, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a friend. Those all require work. And the way that you work really does matter. Are you working because you know you're loved or you're working because you're trying to earn love? If you're working because you know you're loved, that's how, that's how you know that you're working in the right way. You can do the same work, but if you're working because you know you're loved, then you're working for the right reasons. If you're working because you're trying to earn love, then you're working for the wrong reasons. You're making it about yourself. Another thing we talked about was church, just coming together on a weekly basis, gathering on Sunday mornings, Saturday nights here at Seven Rivers, and just being together and doing life together. So those are the habits of worship. Don't ever do habits. And this is just a challenge to you guys. Don't ever, when I'm talking about these habits, don't do them as a list of to-dos. This isn't a list, a checklist that if I do this, this, and this, then God loves me. If you hear that tonight, you're not, please forgive me. That is not what I'm saying. But what I want you to treat these habits as is I do these habits. I put these into practice because I believe that I'm already loved. These are ways to validate, to affirm, and to confirm your lovability. Our natural tendency is to create habits in our lives that revolve around ourselves. And we do this without ever thinking about it. You are doing things every single day, every single moment, and you're not even thinking about it. You have no idea that you're doing it. And if you find yourself lonely here tonight, if you've ever been lonely here tonight, then you have habits that revolve around yourself. Loneliness is a product of living for yourself. So be warned if you sit here and you feel lonely tonight. And if you're like me, I have felt lonely all the time. I've felt lonely in my marriage. I've felt lonely in family reunions, at Christmas. I've been surrounded by people and I have felt incredibly lonely. Let that be a warning sign that maybe something, and you don't even realize it, but you're doing something every single day 
that is causing you to revolve your life around yourself. Habits of community. That's what we're talking about tonight. And the idea behind habits of community, of relationships, is putting in things in your life, practicing those because you're loved so that without even thinking about it, without even thinking about it, it becomes so natural to you that without even thinking about it, you're doing these things and it's a way that you are fighting against your loneliness. God gives you friends. Therefore, love them. In the beginning of space-time and history, the Bible says this in Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. From the beginning, when God created all things and he said it is good, he said one thing is not good. And this is before sin. This is before rebellion. This is before we said we don't need you, God. We don't want you, God. He created Adam and he was just alone. All by himself. Lonely. And God said that's not very good. If you're lonely, it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way your life is supposed to be. You were never meant to be alone. God actually says with his own words, it's not good that you are alone. So what does he do? He made Adam a friend. He made friends for you. God gives you friends. Believe it or not, they are friends that have been made for you. And you have been made for someone else. Therefore, love them. Part of loving, and actually, I would say this is a definition of love. To love is to give yourself away. If you love someone, you give yourself away to them. You don't hold back with them. You give them your heart if you love them. This requires vulnerability. This is a scary word. I am terrified of this word. I think the most vulnerable and brave thing that anyone can do is to be completely themselves in front of others. How scary, how frightening would that be for you in all your mess and all your sin and all your brokenness and all your struggles and all the things you've ever done for someone to actually know all that about you? What would they say? What would they do? How would they treat you? A lot of us in this room, we're living lives with masks on our faces. We go to school and wear one thing. We go to sports and wear another thing. We go home and we wear another mask. We come here and we wear another mask. We go out and we wear another mask. We go to college and we're going to wear another mask. We get married and we're going to wear a mask. We're going to have kids and we're going to wear a mask. And all you're doing is you're putting on these different masks and they get confused and combobulated. And all of a sudden, what you are realizing is the more masks that you start wearing, the more you hate who you really are on the inside. The more you look in the mirror, you hate your own face. You hate how you look. You hate who you are. And so you keep putting on different costumes trying to perform and be something that you're not because you're seeking so hard to be loved. That's why we began this year talking about you are God's beloved. You are already loved like crazy with all the masks taken off. 
He knows every single thing about you. He sees straight through your mask. Have you ever met someone who can look straight through you almost? It's, inc- it's like incredibly awkward. You're like, whoa, this person's looking right through me. This is weird. Like literally, it's like sometimes you have this encounter with your parents. It's like they see you. They see through your lies. They've caught you. It's incredibly awkward. But Jesus sees right through you. And he says, I love you. He sees through your mask and he says, I love you. You can't fake out Jesus. You can't fake out God. He sees through you. He knows you. And the reason why you can't fake him out is because he created you. He designed you. He knitted you together. This is so important. And here's the the crux of relationships here on earth is vulnerability. If you're lonely, if you're lonely, if you're lonely here tonight, it's probably because one of the reasons is because you're wearing masks. You're pretending. I pretend I wear masks. C.S. Lewis, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which were made into movies. He's also written a bunch of other books. He says this about love. I want you guys to hear this. This is, this is so good. This is, if you guys can learn this, you guys, will, you guys will gain so much. It took me a long time to learn this. I didn't learn it actually in high school. He says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart away to nobody, not even a pet. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies, luxuries. Avoid all entanglements, all relationships. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will never be broken, but your heart will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. God loves you. He became vulnerable. What if God never became vulnerable? What if he never came to earth as a baby? The most vulnerable form anybody could ever take. The most helpless and most needy form anyone could ever take is to be a baby. He came as a baby. He came weak. He came broken. He lived and suffered. And he became human. He knows what it feels like to be lonely. Because he left his father in heaven. He left his his, his kingdom, and he came to earth. He became breakable. Jesus died. God, Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified. God loves you. He became vulnerable. Philippians 2, 5-8 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, Jesus in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus became vulnerable. Jesus became weak. Jesus became broken. Jesus died. And he gave up his life. He gave it away. 
so that you can have a dad, so that you can never, ever be alone? What would be the most lonely thing on earth? Don't you think that dying would be the most lonely experience? How lonely. It's just you by yourself breathing your last breaths and you don't know what happens when you stop breathing. How lonely will that be? The pinnacle of loneliness, the cusp of loneliness, the peak of your loneliness is when you breathe your last breath and what happens if you're in Jesus? Because he became lonely in death, you don't have to be alone. You will see him, you will know him, and you'll see him face to face in your loneliness moment, in your most lonely moment. It's the same thing here on earth even before death. In your loneliness, Jesus is with you because he's been where you've been. He's lived the life you've lived and he's died and he's risen from the dead. I remember as a little kid, I think one of the most beautiful pictures of this, of like getting on someone's level, coming down to earth, this idea of like being human. I remember like as a little kid, like I thought my dad was the best. He was awesome. He'd go to work, he'd dress up, he'd wear nice shoes, he'd, he'd tie everything, come home and literally in his full attire, gets on his hands and knees and he starts wrestling me, tickling me. And we're laughing and crying and we're rolling on the floor. It's awesome. And he's letting me hit him and punch him as hard as I can. And he's pretending like I'm beating him up. And he's acting like I'm like, you know, like this incredibly strong kid. And then we start playing with my cars, Hot Wheels, awesome. Then we start drawing pictures. And then we, then guess what? Guess what? We sit down, we eat dinner together, and, and he tells me stories, and, and he um, sings a song to me about Jesus loves me, and then I go to bed. That is so beautiful. That's a grown adult who was just, he was a pastor. That day, what he was probably doing, he's working with people who are on, the, on their last moments of life. He was in the hospital. He was working with people who were completely broken, completely need. He was dealing with real life crises. And then he comes home. And becomes a child like me, plays with me, hangs out with me, wrestles with me, loves me, becomes vulnerable, allows me to throw punches at him, allows me to just be a kid. This is what God does with us. He comes down to our level and does life with you. He does it with you. He gets messy with you. And he's God. He doesn't have to, but he does. He becomes vulnerable because he loves you. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, than for someone to lay down his life for his friends. Do you know that Jesus has laid his life down for you? There's no greater love than this than for someone to give their life away for you. Some of our favorite stories of all time are about people who die for other people. And this is what Jesus has done for you. You, specifically you. You are tattooed on his hands. He dies for you because you matter to him. He sings over you because you matter to him. He formed you and made you because you matter to him. So here's the thing. God gives you his life. Therefore, give your life away 
if you don't want to be alone, know that God loves you and give your life away. If you are lonely, know that God loves you and give your life away. How do you do this? I want to give you just three habits that maybe you can start practicing this week. Okay, these practical, concrete habits that you can practice this week that push against your loneliness. If you practice these, you're saying no to loneliness and you're saying yes to community. You're saying no to having no friends and saying yes to relationships. God does not want you to be alone, so he gives you love so that you can give it to others. And don't you want people to know about this? Don't you want people to know about his love? Don't you want people to not feel alone? There's so many people that are going to school, sitting in your classrooms. They're so lonely, just like you. Don't you want them to have a family like we have here? To have hope? It requires you giving your life away, like Jesus gave for you. And the first thing that I want you to practice is vulnerability. You know the mask you wear. Take off the mask. Bring into reality your true self, your true struggles. There's nothing that you have done that God cannot cover and forgive. You can be completely yourself before him and before those who've earned the right for you to hear. And so some of the temptations you feel is you feel like when you go to class, you have to have it together. You feel like when you go to sports, you have to have it together. You probably feel like when you come here, you have to have it all together. I'm telling you, this place, you don't have to have it all together. This is not for those, a place for those who have it all together. This is a place for those who are struggling, who are weak, who have issues, who are walking life, and it's hard. That's why I go to church. It's because I need it so bad. I'm so broken, so destroyed, so weak, that's why I need you guys. That's why I need my pastors. That's why I need my friends. Because I have to tell them. Oftentimes I'll text um, one of my best buds. Um, his name's Skyler. He lives in Thomasville. I'll just text him and be like, Skyler, life sucks today. I woke up this morning. I slept in. I feel like a bad dad because I slept in. Then I got mad at my son for no reason just because I'm angry and I got mad and I'm struggling. And then I went to work and I'm angry and I got to work and I failed my team. I failed my team, I made a mistake. And I just, today sucks. I just tell him that, I just send him that text message. And Skylar says back to me, I love you, Mikey. Thank you for sharing with me. You want, do you wanna talk? And so we get on the phone and we talk, man, Vulnerability breeds relationship. It fights against loneliness. If you just share your heart with others, more times than not, I think you'll find that people really want to hear it. And people really want to love you back because you are lovable. You are. You're God's beloved. One of the sweetest things I get to do as a student pastor, I love this. This is the best. If, you, if any of you are thinking about being a pastor, or doing ministry. This is the best part, hearing your stories. As broken or hard and difficult as they are, when you tell me your stories, it's like a gift. It's so precious, it's so beautiful. Every time I hear a story from one of you guys about your life, I'm like, that is hard, but this is awesome and beautiful. And I just see how God is working in you and loving you. 
And we'll have people come and share stories in the spring. And I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so incredible to me to hear those stories, to hear your stories. When you say, all right, I take my mask off. This is who I am. I'm just like, You're, I love you. That's all I want to say to you guys every time. And the only reason why is because that's what Jesus has done to me. And that's what Jesus has done for you. And that's what I want you to do for others. But do that in your communities. Share your heart. Be vulnerable. You, the, funny, the, the fascinating thing about Christianity, it's a lot of religions are like, work harder, do more, be strong, and you will go to heaven. But Christianity is like, no. Be weak, be broken, fall apart, and let Jesus carry you into heaven. Your weaknesses are where people see Jesus. In your weaknesses, you are actually strong in Christ. It does the opposite of what other religions talk about. Other religions encourage you to cover up. Christianity says, let it go. Be you. Share your heart. Your weaknesses reveal Jesus. When I hear your stories, I see Jesus. I see his fingerprints on your life. And you're like, how can you? How bad and broken my life is? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. But it's true. And your weaknesses, Jesus is revealed. When you share your heart and your vulnerability with your friends, they will see Jesus. And you will too. The second thing, I love this one. Eat food. Eat a ton of food together. And share your food and, and make meals together. Jesus fed 5,000 people. He's about food. Jesus ate at people's houses all the time. Jesus ate the night before he died. He made sure that he had a meal before he died. There is something sacred and relational about eating food together. And one of the most fascinating and interesting things about food is because it's the gospel. It's, about, it's the good news of Jesus every single time you eat a piece of food. Because in order to live, you have to eat food, right? If you don't eat food, you're going to die. But something dies in order for you to eat food. Every single thing you eat has died. Plant or animal died so that you can live. This is why Jesus calls himself bread and why he calls himself wine. I am the bread, I am the wine. Because he dies so that you can live. So that's why part of fighting against loneliness, habits of community, habits of relationship, you got to eat with people. Don't eat alone. Stop. If you eat alone at school, stop it. I st just stop. Go find someone and sit and eat with them. And if, if honestly, if you can't find anyone to eat with and you go to Seven Rivers, I'm here in my office. Come eat with me. It'll be great. I'm serious. Find someone. Find a teacher. Eat with somebody. Because eating with people fights loneliness. Eating food together. Because life was given so that you can have life. Jesus gave his life so that you can have life. And the other one, the other one is the third, and we talked about it last week. But do life together. Be vulnerable. Share your heart. Eat food together. And run errands together. Do homework together. Study together. Do sports together. Do stuff together. I don't care what, what you do. Just do it together. Do anything together. Just be with each other. And the, one of the sweetest places that I've gotten to do that throughout my whole life, and some of you haven't had this opportunity, has been in church. Just being in church. I know every Sunday I'm going to see my family. 
And church, they, they usually churches have free coffee, so that's a plus. So go to church, get free coffee, drink coffee with someone. Usually they have food, so then eat food. Usually after church, if you're there and you, you're near me, usually I invite people to go eat lunch together, and we go eat food together, because that's, that's doing life together. Do it together. Listen to others. It's so important. Don't talk about yourself. Ask other people. Be more interested in other people. Pray for other people. I love that we share prayer with Christ. Listen, you need each other. Jesus said that my church is my body. If you are looking for Jesus, you will find him in church. Because in church, you will find people who are broken, vulnerable, sharing their stories, who are messes. And you'll find food. Do life together. That's where community is. Let's pray.